Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book. It's a book called The Private Key to Heaven. It's all about closet prayer. Whenever you hear the words closet prayer in this book, it's referring to private prayer. As Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now in Thomas Brooks' day, and that's the author of this work, a closet was not necessarily a place of storage as in our day. It was any small private room for study or prayer. And so throughout this excellent book, closet prayer means private prayer. Thomas Brooks was an English nonconformist preacher and writer known for his Christ-centered, scripture-filled, and devotional writings. And this book, The Private Key to Heaven, presents 20 arguments for private prayer. Drawing from examples in scripture and history, Brooks exhorts God's people to more faithfulness in this spiritual discipline and means of grace. His application is filled with poignant rebuke, specific directions, and refutation of objections to private prayer. Read this book, or listen to it, to be convinced, convicted, and motivated in the necessity and privilege of private prayer. You can get this book by contacting Chapel Library. Go to chapel at mountzion.org, and I believe it will be free to you, as it was to me. And so, we begin with the introduction. We've already read the text. It's Matthew 6, 6. These words of our Savior are plain and to be taken literally and not allegorically. For he speaketh of shutting the door of the chamber. In this chapter, there's a manifest opposition between the Pharisees praying in the synagogue and corners of the streets and others praying in secret. In the text, you have a positive precept for every Christian to pray alone. But thou, when thou prayest. He saith not when you pray, but thou. And now that's the Old English, the Middle English. You indicates plural. Thou, singular. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. As speaking not so much of a joint duty of many praying together as of a duty which each person is to do alone. The command in the text sends us as well to the closet as to the church. And he is a hypocrite in grain. That's the notion of dyeing fibers thoroughly with color. In modern English, dyed in the wool is what we would say. A hypocrite, in other words, through and through, a hypocrite in grain that chooses the one and neglects the other. For thereby he tells the world he cares for neither, he makes conscience of neither. He that puts on a religious habit abroad to gain himself a great name among men, and at the same time lives like an atheist at home, shall at the last be uncased, that is, stripped bare to reveal his true character, uncased by God, and presented before all the world a most egregious hypocrite. Bellarmine, that's Robert Bellarmine, the Roman Catholic cardinal and Italian Jesuit who was in the Counter-Reformation, and some others 
uh, turn the text into an allegory. They say that in these words there are two allegories. First, the chamber door is the sense of shut thy door. That is, they say, thy sense, lest vain imaginations and worldly thoughts distract thy mind in praying. Secondly, the door, they say, is our mouth. Shut thy door, that is, thy lips, they say. Let thy prayer be like the prayer of Hannah, conceived in thy mind, but not uttered with thy mouth. It is usual with papists, Roman Catholics, and other monkish men that, that lie in wait to deceive, to turn the blessed scriptures into a nose of wax under pretense of allegories and mysteries. Origen of Alexandria, the Greek biblical scholar of the early church, he was a great admirer of allegories. By the strength of his parts and, and wanton wit, that is, his intellectual abilities and unrestrained imagination, he turned most of the scripture into allegories. And by the just judgment of God upon him, he foolishly understood and absurdly applied Matthew 19.12, literally, where it says, There be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sakes. And so he castrated himself. And indeed, he might as well have plucked out one of his eyes upon the same account, because Christ said it's better to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. In all ages, heretics have commonly defended their heresies by translating of scriptures into allegories. The apostle speaks of such as, uh, denying the resurrection of the body, turn all the testimonies of the resurrection into an allegory, meaning thereby only the spiritual resurrection of the soul from sin of which sort was Hymenaeus and Philetus, who destroyed the faith of some, saying the resurrection was past already, 2 Timothy two seventeen and 18. And are there not many among us that turn the whole history of the Bible into an allegory, and that turn Christ, sin, death, the soul, hell, heaven, and all into an allegory? Many have, and many do, miserably pervert the scriptures by turning them into vain and groundless allegories. Some wanton wits have expounded paradise uh, to the soul, man to the mind, to be mind, and, and the woman to be the sense. The serpent is delight, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is wisdom, and the rest of the trees are the virtues and endowments of the mind. Oh, friends! It is dangerous to bring in allegories where the scripture does not clearly and plainly warrant them and to take those words figuratively which should be taken properly. The word that is in the text rendered closet, tamayon, tamayon, hath only three common meanings amongst Greek authors. First, it may be taken for a secret chamber or close and locked parlor. Secondly, for a safe or cupboard to lay food in. And thirdly, for a locked chest or cupboard wherein treasure usually is reserved. The best and most judicious interpreters that I have cast mine eye upon, both of a former and later date, do all expound my text of private prayer in retired places, that is, quiet and secluded places, and with them I agree. And so the main doctrine that I shall gather from the words is this. 
Closet prayer, or private prayer, is an indispensable duty that Christ himself hath laid upon all that are not willing to lie under the woeful brand of being hypocrites. I beseech you seriously to lay to heart these five things. First, if any prayer be a duty, then secret prayer must needs be a duty, for secret prayer is as much prayer as any other prayer is prayer. And secret prayer prepares and fits the soul for family prayer and for public prayer. Secret prayer sweetly inclines and strongly disposes a Christian to all other religious duties and services. And therefore, secondly, if secret prayer be not an indispensable duty that lies upon thee, by what authority doth conscience so upbraid thee, and so accuse thee, and so condemn thee, and so terrify thee, as it often does for the neglect of this duty? Thirdly, was it ever the way or method of God to promise again and again a reward, an open reward, for that work or service which he himself never commanded? Surely not. Now, to this duty of secret prayer, the Lord hath again and again promised an open reward. And therefore, without any doubt, this is a duty incumbent upon all Christians. Fourthly, our Savior in the text takes it for granted that every child of God will be frequent in praying to his heavenly Father. And therefore, he encourages them so much the more in the work of secret prayer. When you pray, as if he had said, I know you can as well hear without ears and live without food and fight without hands and walk without feet as you are able to live without prayer. Therefore, when you go to wait on God or to give your heavenly Father a visit, enter your closet and shut your door and so on. Fifthly, if closet prayer be not an indispensable duty, that Christ hath laid upon all his people. Why does Satan so much oppose it? Why does he so industriously and so unweariedly labor to discourage Christians in it and to take off Christians from it? Certainly Satan would never make such a fierce and constant war as he does upon private prayer were it not a necessary duty, a real duty, and a soul-enriching duty. But more of this you will find in the following discourse. And therefore, let this touch suffice for the present. Now, these five things do very clearly and evidently demonstrate that to hold fellowship with God secretly and solitarily is the undoubted duty of every Christian. But for a more full opening and confirmation of this great and important point, I shall lay down 20 arguments or considerations. And we will start with those 20 arguments next time around. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, do look around the site. We've got 3,000 plus audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea in English and in Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog. If you desire more fellowship, consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com or contacting me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. And I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and our Tuesday noon meeting for men 
and women. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 5th of January, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.